0: Servant C. Angel Seventy A quorum established in 1835 whose primary responsibility was missionary work. The quorum was originally established to be equal in authority to the First Presidency and Quorum of the Twelve and was comprised of seventy members. Following the death of Joseph Smith, the Seventy were considered inferior to the Quorum of the Twelve and First Presidency and acquired administrative authority beyond missionary responsibility. They are considered part of the General Authorities of the LDS Church and preside over all the Church under the direction of the First Presidency and Twelve. Sheol Hades, the Greek, or Sheol, The Hebrew, these two significations mean a world of spirits. Hades, Sheol, Paradise, and spirits in prison all mean the same thing. It is a world of spirits. Show spelled S H E W. An archaic spelling of the word show, spelled S H O W, including its noun and verb forms of showed, shown, and showing, which is never pronounced shoe, even in combination with showbread. In almost every instance within the Book of Mormon, the earliest textual sources prefer the archaic verb show, spelled S H E W, rather than the more modern show, spelled S H O W. In the early transmission of the text, some of these examples of show, spelled S-H-E-W, were accidentally replaced by the more expected show, spelled S-H-O-W. In fact, it is possible that in the original text there were no examples of show, spelled S-H-O-W, only show, spelled S-H-E-W. Showbread The ancient temple had ascending levels of holiness that were symbolically separated by degrees on the basis of who was excluded. The fewer the number of people permitted to enter, the greater the associated holiness. In ascending degrees of holiness, the outer court area, where sacrifices and killings took place, was the first degree of holiness. All Israel was welcomed there. The second degree of holiness was the area immediately inside the temple building called the Holy Place. In it there was a table for showbread, an altar of incense, and the menorah or seven-branched candlestick. In this area the priests alone were permitted to enter. The showbread consisted of twelve unleavened loaves that were placed every Sabbath in the temple on the table beside the altar of incense and eaten by the priests at the end of the week. See Exodus 25, paragraph 30 and Matthew 12, paragraph 4. Tyndall's use of the word showbread was based or influenced by Luther's German translation of earlier texts into Schaubrot, translating from the Latin pain's propositions, as well as the Greek artianopioi and Hebrew lechem panem, lechem meaning bread and panem meaning face or presence. Old English Bible translations use the expression offering loaves," offering loaves. Showbread is literally the bread set before the face of the Lord or bread of the Presence. This had been consumed every Sabbath by the priests, and was their most holy portion eaten in the holy place. Signs Faith is not produced by signs, but signs follow those who believe, C T 50, paragraph 3. That is why Pharaoh was never impressed by the things God did through Moses. Signs are inconsequential if one does not have faith. Signs are not controlled by men, but are God's to give as God determines. CTNC 50, paragraph 3. They should not be the subject of boasting. CTNC 82, paragraph 22. Some of the most remarkable signs that have been given to me are only silently recorded in my journal. Signs exist. They have been given to testify of this work. Many of the signs recorded in the lives of believers may be unknown to you, but there are signs in rich abundance among believers today. The adulterers are the ones who seek signs, according to our Lord, and He said it twice. Matthew's account includes him saying it to two different audiences on two different occasions, see Matthew 6, paragraph 15 and 8, paragraph 15. Adulterers are sign-seekers. When signs attract followers, the resulting congregation of followers are all vulnerable to the sin of adultery. This is one of the reasons why so many were adulterers in Nauvoo, as well as later in Utah and today among various splinter groups. It is a plague that can only be avoided by removing adulterous thoughts from the heart. Contrary to what many have heard all their lives about signs, they are and always have been part of the true gospel. They invariably follow faith but do not and never have produced faith, see TNC 50, paragraph 3. There are examples of signs throughout God's dealings with those who follow Him. See, for example, Helaman 5, paragraph 10, Ezekiel 12, paragraph 4, Exodus 7, paragraph 1, and Acts 2, paragraph 1. Men and women are supposed to see signs, so that they may know God is with them. Signs of the Times Mankind is approaching the moment in which the Lord is about to return, see Matthew 11. All of the signs that He speaks of will occur in one single generation, and the signs have begun to appear. This means those now alive are living within a generation in which a great deal is to occur. As it was in the days of Noah, so is it about to be. On the one hand, dreadful things are coming, but it also means that prophets are again going to be among man, people with messages that come from the Lord. There is a great difference between recognizing the signs of the times and knowing the detail of how prophecy will be fulfilled. An example of the difference is found in Matthew. Matthew tells of wise men who studied the Scriptures, watched the signs in the heavens, recognized a star that testified of the birth of the Messiah or newborn King of the Jews, traveled a great distance, perhaps as long as two years, to worship Him, facilitated fulfilling prophecy by their presence in Jerusalem, and were visited by God in a dream. Despite all the wise men were able to know, they did not know where to find the newborn King. They mistakenly went to Herod's people to inquire about Christ's birth. They did not know and God did not reveal to them that Christ would be born in Bethlehem. It is unlikely they would have willingly acted to fulfill the Jeremiah 12, paragraph 7 slaughter of children, yet Matthew credits their involvement with fulfilling this prophecy. See Matthew 1, paragraph 11. Can men unwittingly fulfill prophecy? Can anyone, even wise men who are well studied in scripture and prophecy, ever fully understand prophecy? One of the lessons from this scriptural account is that all wise men whose diligence and faithfulness lead them to understand God's hand is at work may still not understand how or where God will act. There remain mysteries which God will accomplish but men cannot understand beforehand. If the wise men knew he had been born but could not identify where Christ's birth happened, despite all else they were able to do, then how can anyone know how God will accomplish his strange act in the last days? Prophecies are not given so man can know details beforehand. They are given so that when they are fulfilled, one may understand that God knows the end from the beginning, see Isaiah 17, paragraph 1. The heavenly signs and the lights of the firmament are testifying and confirming many of the events currently happening on the earth. Very few today are giving them any notice. These signs and the lights of heaven are meant to be seen and understood by the unaided human eye from the surface of the earth. Sin A violation of a commandment. The sins that offend God are not the errors, weaknesses, and foolishness of the past. He is offended when one is forgiven by him and then returns to the same sin. That shows a lack of gratitude for his forgiveness. Even then, however, there are addictions, compulsions, and weaknesses that people sometimes struggle with for years, even decades. When the sin is due to some difficulty based on biology, physiology, or an inherent weakness that we fight for years to overcome, then his patience with us is far greater than our own. He will help in the fight. He will walk alongside you as you fight. He does not expect you to run faster than you have strength. When, because of age or infirmity, a troubling weakness is at last overcome, he will readily accept your repentance and let you move forward clean, whole and forgiven. That is his ministry, to forgive and make whole. The only one who can forgive sin is Christ. He requires men and women to forgive one another but will himself determine whose sins he will forgive. C.T.N.C. TNC 51, Paragraph 3. He is the only gatekeeper for forgiveness. See 2 Nephi 6, Paragraph 11 The Greek Word Martia Define sin as missing the mark, not hitting the target, or a mistake. Sin is waste. It is doing one thing when you should be doing other and better things for which you have the capacity. Hence, there are no innocent idle thoughts. That is why even the righteous must repent, constantly and progressively, since all fall short of their capacity and calling. See also, iniquity, transgression. Single to God When God occupies a place of priority in one's life, He is central. It does not mean one neglects his family nor his labors. See also, TNC 86 Paragraph 12. Slow of speech. And when Enoch had heard these words, he bowed himself to the earth before the Lord, and spoke before the Lord, saying, Why is it that I have found favour in thy sight, and am but a lad, and all the people hate me, for I am slow of speech, wherefore am I thy servant? Genesis 4, paragraph 2. Being slow of speech does not mean Enoch was inarticulate or somehow impaired. He was not at all slow. He was a brilliant man. He was an articulate man. He was a most capable man. He wrote the record which Moses preserved in his account and Joseph Smith restored to us by revelation. He was always envisioned anciently as the great scribe. He was thought by antiquity, by the Egyptians, to be the one who brought wisdom, who brought knowledge. Thoth This phrase clearly means something else. He is slow of speech because he would rather think about things than talk about them. He would rather consider a matter carefully than speak quickly about it. He would rather be left alone than to make public declarations. He would rather have his privacy, his family, and a few close intimate friends than he would to minister to people who don't give a damn about what he has to say. He would have preferred to avoid contact with those who think he is a wild man come among them because they believe he has no business delivering the message. He was trusted by the Lord precisely because the message was the Lord's, and Enoch would not add to it because he craved attention. In other words, being slow of speech is a qualifier for Enoch as the Lord's messenger, not a handicap. Small Means When God undertakes to accomplish something, there is nothing that the Lord God shall take in his heart to do, but what he will do it, Abraham 5, paragraph 4. Often the means used by the Lord to accomplish his strange act and to perform his strange work are very small indeed. See 101, paragraph 20. Now ye may suppose that this is foolishness in me, but behold, I say unto you that by small and simple things are great things brought to pass, and small means in many instances doth confound the wise. And the Lord God doth work by means to bring about his great and eternal purposes, and by very small means the Lord doth confound the wise and bringeth about the salvation of many souls. Alma 17, paragraph 8. It is almost always the case that the Lord uses simple things to confound the mighty. The Lord has a way of bringing great things to pass through small measures. Is not the pattern always the same? Does not God manifest Himself to the world through the weak things first? C.T.N.C. 54, paragraph 4. He uses such small means they are unseen except through faith. Only when the small means accomplish what God foretold are they mighty to save. Only the scriptures are able to define what matters and how God's hand is moving to fulfill His promises. God uses small means and simple things to accomplish His greatest influence. Son of Perdition An angel can fall from grace only by being cast out of heaven, see 2 Nephi 1, paragraph 9. When an angel falls, he becomes a devil. For these, it would be better if they had never known Christ, for they have decided to crucify him anew. After having had the Holy Spirit make great things known unto them, they have turned against the Lord by their knowing rebellion against him, ctnc 69, paragraph 7. They are sons of perdition, and the heavens weep over them, ctnc 69, paragraph 6-7. These are they who know the battle is and always has been the Lord's, and they either align themselves with Him or against Him. See also the glossary entry, Unpardonable Sin. Sons and Daughters of God Before the world was created, everyone was a child of God. However, in the fullest sense of the term, the real gospel objective is to elect whether or not one will become sons and daughters of God. This new acknowledged status means being accepted by God into his family. Christ said of himself in Ether 1, paragraph 13 Behold, I am he who was prepared from the foundation of the world to redeem my people. Behold, I am Jesus Christ. I am the Father and the Son. In me shall all mankind have life, and that eternally, even they who shall believe on my name. And they shall become my sons and my daughters. This is the way men and women may become sons of God. The one who redeems them becomes their father, and therefore, he who is the only begotten of the Father in turn begets many sons and daughters, 69, paragraph 5. The father declares what is right and true, and his son obeys. Thus, the son became the word of God because he did what the father asked him. Do you want to be a son or daughter of God? do what he asks. This is what we must do to worship him. Abinadi declared Christ would be called the Son of God, Mosiah 8, paragraph 5. He explained he was called because he subjected the flesh to the will of the Father. We cannot be the Son of God the Father unless we subject our will to him. We are his Son when we are like him because we obey him. This was how Christ defined Himself. Abinadi understood God. And now I say unto you, Who shall declare his generation? Behold, I say unto you that when his soul has been made an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. And now what say ye? And who shall be his seed? Behold, I say unto you that whosoever has heard the words of the prophets, yea, all the holy prophets who have prophesied concerning the coming of the Lord, I say unto you that all those who have hearkened unto their words, and believed that the Lord would redeem his people, and have looked forward to that day for a remission of their sins, I say unto you that these are his seed, or they are heirs of the kingdom of God. For these are they whose sins he hath borne. These are they for whom he has died, to redeem them from their transgressions. And now, are they not his seed? Yea, and are not the prophets, every one that has opened his mouth to prophesy that has not fallen into transgression? I mean all the holy prophets ever since the world began. I say unto you that they are his seed, Mosiah 8, paragraph 7. The holy order after the order of the Son of God makes those who inherit it, by definition, the sons of God. Therefore, in a way, Calling it the holy order after the order of the Son of God is a way of identifying the recipient as someone who has become one of God's sons. Even though a couple may be mortals in the flesh, they are by definition sons of God if they belong to the order. It is the nature of this holy order that it is conferred upon the man and woman jointly, see 1 Corinthians 1, paragraph 44. Soothsayers those who make predictions by using means other than true prophecy. Modern application of soothsaying may exist in business, government, economics, weather, especially long-term weather, politics, etc. It is foretelling for gain, profit, popularity, or influence without God's commission and direction.